Welcome to Podcasting for the Right Reasons, where ABC has brought us our best guest, our best guest yet. And you know what? We're just gonna let her do the analysis. Like absolutely, because she's she is much more experienced at Bachelor Nation than we are. Yes. Or ever could be. So we are thrilled to introduce her to to you all. I mean, well, I mean, for a reminder, I'm Ren Mardia. My name is Vernon, <laughs> and it's, it's good to have you all back. And we are joined this evening by the very first Bachelorette, the author of the book, ha- Happily Ever After, The Life-Changing Power of a Grateful Heart. Please welcome Trista Sutter. Trista, it's great to have you. Hi, thanks. I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So before you before we really dive into Bachelor Nation's thing, when I was reading your bio again, just to clarify before we got started tonight, I saw again, and I guess I had forgotten or I didn't notice before, but you're from you were raised in St. Louis. Correct. Yeah. Well, this podcast is being recorded from Florissant. Oh no way! How funny. Yeah. Okay. I I had no idea that you were from St. Louis, Trista. Like that is that is amazing. I I looked at Brendan and I was like, how did I miss this? Right. I, even <laughs> even when I'm watching, just <laughs> like it was I, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, even when we were watching your great your greatest season, which was my favorite part of that season, but I'm just like oh, I thanks. I didn't I don't think I noticed that. No. Um, yeah, um, I I was born in Indianapolis. I lived there for four years, and then we moved to um, Chesterfield. And I went to Highcroft Ridge for elementary school, and then Parkway Central. Wow. Okay, my wife um, currently works at Parkway West, so. Oh, no way. How yeah. Fun. Yeah, I, well, I actually have a lot of friends who went to West because um, I lived in Baxter Lakes, which, like, splits, like, right down the middle, and half of that neighborhood goes to West and half goes to Central, so I lost a lot of friends to West. But, yeah, it's so funny. Well, that's a small world, if I do say so. And it's small so crazy world. It's so crazy yeah. to hear you like say all of these places that I'm like, I know that. I know that. I live here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm totally fangirling right now. Right? I have been here <laughs> a long time. But, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, it's so, I, we're that's so glad. That's where I was formulated. That's where I um, grew up and became, you know, who I am today. Wow. So, thanks, St. Louis. Well, clearly you spend a lot of time here. So, this, the the ultimate question here is, what is your favorite restaurant on the hill? Or did you have a favorite? Oh, my gosh. So, you know what? I didn't spend a lot of time on the hill. Um, I, I've been there since, but um, I, I I have the worst memory on the planet, and I couldn't I couldn't tell you. But <laughs> I will tell you that one of my, my favorite restaurants in St. Louis, which you guys are going to laugh at, is emos (gasps) okay no trista that is no laughing matter that is 100 my favorite as well (laughs) just had a pizza the other day actually for my birthday one year my dad who still lives in st louis he was in south county um he sent me uh they have frozen pizzas but you can set like have shipped and he sent me or actually him and my stepmom um they sent me an emos pizza so so funny Amazing. Yes, it's, it it really is like that's the type of place that you you can't even really describe the type of pizza that it is to people who've never had it because it's such a different yeah. style of pizza mm. making. It really is. Well, it's also because of the cheese. Like they use yeah. provel, and I don't think like you can't get. I don't think you can buy provel cheese in Colorado. I don't know why, but I don't think it's like a something that's sold in the grocery store. Right. So that's what I think makes it so good. It, yeah, it is. I don't know exactly like how they do it. 
or what makes it different from other cheeses, but it really mm. is a superior cheese. So good. I didn't, so I didn't yummy. know we'd be breaking down the quality of Provel cheese on this interview, but I'm really I happy know. we are. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, who would have, if you had told me six months or a year ago that I would be talking to the very first bachelorette about my favorite pizza as well, <laughs> I would be like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> Dreams do come true. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Well, Trista, let's, um, let's get right down to it. Um, so let's talk about your time as the very first bachelorette. How does it feel to be the very first in such a long and successful franchise? Because no one can take that from you. And that's true. And damn it, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that title. Right. Uh, I'm gonna stronghold it as long as I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I guess I just feel um, happy. You know, I love that they have continued the franchise for as long as they have, and. Uh, I love that I am connected to so many people. I mean, not just the other leads, um, which whom I do love, uh, but even all the people from the cast. I mean, there are probably thousands of us by, by now. I don't know. That would be a really good... Um, I would love to hear how many people have been on the show since the very beginning. But we all have been through this crazy social experiment if you will and and I am just so proud to be able to say that I was there when it first started and you know feel very lucky yeah oh that's great and like I said yeah you are the very first like I remember I remember watching your season when I was a kid and I thought that it was so incredible the fact that you know you'd come from Alex's season and you got this chance to find love and it's just so cool yeah, Thank then, you. Yeah, it was it was a cool experience for me. Obviously, I got a husband and a family out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a good deal. <laughs> and then going into that experience, I mean, when you signed up for this, you the show had never been on, so you didn't know what to expect. But going into that season, and then going into the season to be your own lead, what were some of your expectations, or how did you think this was going to go? I signed up for the first Bachelor. Um, just for fun it was like you said it was nothing that anyone knew about no one had a clue what we were getting into besides the fact that it was a reality show and back then the only reality shows were uh real world and road rules and then i think survivor was on and maybe america no american idol and that was it uh those were the only shows so we knew that it would be, you know, cameras following us around and that we would get to do some fun things and meet some cool people. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted a fun experience. Um, I ended up, you know, really having feelings for Alex. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the rest is history after that. But I, I just went into the first season just to have fun. Wow. So you, you signed up to have fun. How did you... How did you find out about this little-known show that would be so explosively popular in the future? Yeah, right. Um, I was sitting on my couch in Miami. I was working in Miami uh, as a pediatric physical therapist at the time and had gotten home from work and was just laying down and watching TV. And Extra came on, and the casting director for The Bachelor uh, was talking about how they were looking for people 
for this new reality show they were filming and they wanted to play matchmaker and um, for them to be an engagement at the end and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I thought, hmm, that could be fun. Yeah. I'm single. Why not? <laughs> so, Why not? Um, so I put a camera on my ironing board and, and shot a little video of who I was and what I was looking for out of a partner and you know, got asked to come to LA and fill out more questionnaires and go through psychological testing and drug testing and all the things and and then found myself in LA. So um it was Kismet. It was it was fate, if you will. Yeah. And then when you were done filming, was there you or an expectations from Chris or Mike Fleiss that this show would be what it became so quickly because millions of people were watching Mm -hmm. it from day one and that's just that can't be the expectation yeah no i I don't think anyone knew what to expect um i do remember flies in his office in the office when i went in for the in-person interview in la him coming out he was kind of he's a pretty like tall guy and he was larger than life he had a black leather jacket Mm -hmm. on and sunglasses and um and it was inside um (laughs) (laughs) and um he he came and introduced himself to me and he's like you're my star and I was like right like you say that to everybody (laughs) 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 like yeah uh and anyway he's like no you are you're my star and I'm like okay um but it turned out that he was a fan and wanted me to be bachelorette and I'm obviously very happy about that because it changed my life forever right well that's amazing so okay so before your time as bachelorette you said you 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 know obviously you're on alex's season you obviously you made it to the end um did you think that alex was the one at that time i i thought so i thought that he could be um I just was really open to the opportunity and open to the possibility that we could last forever. And Mm -hmm. I really did have genuine feelings for him. Uh, He, we had great chemistry, even though the show, you know, kind of edited me to be, I, I remember being called icy and, you know, like, not bitchy, but just mm-hmm. kind of like cold shoulderish. And I mean, it's <laughs> a really funny moment when we had the, and I think they showed it on the goat season um, or the goat episode. But when I had the date with him at his house, and it was like a cooking date, and he was like professing his his feelings for me, and I'm like, oh, the spaghetti's good, or like something oh, like yeah. that. Oh <laughs> <Do you remember laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's funny because that was like watching that. I, mean, I thought if that. If I would have been watching myself, yeah. I probably would have been like, you're so not into him. <laughs> but when I was in it, I felt like I I was into him enough to continue to stick around. And then when, got, when it got to the end, um, I thought I would be getting engaged yeah. that day. Um, and nonetheless, let's just say that I... I'm very thankful that he did not choose me because right. my path would have been very different. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's funny that you bring that up though, because I remember like watching that on this um the goat season. I thought like that date, I was like, she's so great. Like she seems so real. So it's funny that people would think that you were icy because that was what I I was like, I really like her. She's awesome. And that's so different oh, okay. than how that's so different than how everyone treats the show now. That mm-hmm. if, if he and I mean we saw that a lot in Peter season, we see that in every season now, where if the lead shows any real interest in you, then the contestant seems to like whether it be by actual feelings or by force by the show, it feels like that they start expressing like undying love. And it's such a more real, because it was early, it's a more realistic version of what should be happening at that stage. Yeah, you're right. I feel like now I feel like people expect themselves because they've watched most of the people who are on the show have watched a season, at mm-hmm. least in the last few episodes, I feel like most people have watched. I know that like Rachel Lindsay hadn't watched any episodes, and um, but I feel like most people know what uh, what is said on the shows, like what you do on the shows, and I feel like they expect that or go into it, and maybe it's like a subconscious thing, but I feel like people think that the only right way to do it is by confessing your love like right out the gate yeah and and I definitely did not I wasn't I wasn't in love with Alex and I wasn't going to say that if I wasn't feeling it so um I was in like I think I told him that on the Hawaii date like I I liked him a lot and I could see us having a future together um and I was willing to get engaged because my heart was open to it, you know, um, but I, I wasn't going to lie about it. And I think that, um, not that people intentionally lie, but I just mm-hmm. think that they, you get caught up in your feelings and you know that from watching past episodes that people, um, if you don't profess your love, then the lead is like, oh, well, they're not into me, right. which seems really silly yeah and like I said I think that's what you know watching these seasons back like that's what really made me like you a lot it's just how real it was you know I was like oh she's not just going around saying oh I love you I love you you know you didn't say it because you didn't feel it at that time so I think that's great and that's probably yeah. exactly why they picked you as the bachelorette <laughs> thank you thank you thank you <laughs> so let's let's just jump back in time you're 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 no longer on Alex's season he you you don't get engaged to him and they ask you to be the bachelorette. Was there hesitation in terms of, of when they asked you? Because once again, brand new thing. No one had ever seen a dating show where the woman is the lead because this was only the second dating show that had ever been done. So was there hesitation in terms of you accepting the lead, the lead role? Nope. Not at all. I, um, I, you know, had developed friendships with the producers by that time and I felt like they know me they knew me pretty well and I was 30 at that point um no actually I was 29 and I hadn't had any luck um and I just felt like they're a major television network they've got a huge casting department they've got all these producers working for them they would have way better luck finding a guy you know by combing the United States and doing all the casting calls than I would just living in Miami so I I was all for it. Uh, I really, truly believed that it could work, and and thank God I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I love that there was no there was no hesitation in becoming the bachelorette. There was no hesitation in the way that you answered that question. <laughs> you were just like, nope. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it, it was clear. It was very clear to me that the answer was yes yeah. uh, when Swice called me and asked me. I, I was all for it. Well, so after your time um, on Alex's season, and they asked you to be the bachelorette. Were you, um, it sounds like, so you were, you were ready to dive in. Were you hopeful about finding love or were you, did you have any sense of skepticism in it? Or were you just like, this is, you know, 100% this is going to work out. On Bachelorette? Yeah. Yes. I, I was, uh, fully hopeful. I, I really didn't have much skepticism, um, I mean, a teeny tiny bit because you just never know. But I was really, really hopeful that they would be able to bring guys, you know, to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was interested in, that I could formulate a relationship, that I could um, have great chemistry with. So, uh, no, I, I, w- I went into it with a very positive mindset and um, and still have that, even when I... Even when the people finish the shows, I am the hopeless romantic that believes that everyone's going to laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously does not always happen. But, um, <laughs> but I always believe. Yeah. I'm, I'm a believer. And I mean, the Bachelorette success rate is pretty high compared to, unfortunately, the Bachelor success yeah. rate. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And then, so let's talk about your husband really quick. Uh, sure. <laughs> you start you start your season, and at what point did you know that Ryan was was your husband? What was the one for you? So, on Alex's season, um, I when I talked to him on the the last date, so the date that we had before the final rose ceremony, I point blank asked him. Who do, who do you want to choose? Who are you going to choose? And of course he said me. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, it, it's stupid for me to even have believed what his answer was because of course he was going to say me. So he said me and I went into the final row ceremony thinking that I was going to get engaged. So because that happened to me and because I was kind of, I was so blindsided and hurt by it, um, going into it fully thinking that I was going to get engaged. Um, I was very hesitant to show my cards and to believe in my feelings until the very last minute. Um, I didn't know if something was going to change, if I would find out, because it was a very short period of time. I didn't know if there was something I was going to find out on the last couple days or something that would turn me off or something that would click with somebody else. I, I didn't know. So... I, um, I knew on the first night that I had a physical attraction to him, which was obviously very important. I loved his sensitivity. I loved his poetry. Um, I loved how he made me laugh and, um, he always just made me feel safe and happy when I was with him. And what was kind of a key in when I knew he was the one was when I was on other dates with other guys farther down the road. Like, mm-hmm. um, when we went to Seattle, definitely that solidified things. 
um, as much as could be solidified. But I, I was thinking about him when I was on other dates. So that was kind of my, my key in figuring out who I was drawn to and who my heart was, um, was hoping to be with. Um, but I really didn't give in to those feelings until like the final, the last moment. Yeah. And can I just say, I loved the poetry, like showing that that on the goat, the goat. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) And Brennan and I talked about it, you know, when we, in our recap, I was like, I love, love of love, how sensitive he is and how he just like wrote you these wonderful things. And it was so sweet. (laughs) thank you yeah I I did too I he's such a great writer even not just poetry but if you if you scroll through his Instagram feed he doesn't post that often Mm -hmm. but when he does he just has this way with words I've tried to encourage him for years to write a book and just hasn't ever come to fruition um I'm still hopeful that he'll do that because I just he he is, he he had a blog for a while and he would sit down and write a blog and what would take me days to write he would write in like minutes um he's just really really good at it and um and and that definitely was one of the things that mm-hmm. drew me in Oh, well, yeah, we loved seeing that. I thought that that was so awesome. So besides um, meeting your husband during your season, what's the best takeaway from your season? What was the best, the uh, the next best thing to come from it? The, the most messed up thing? No, oh, sorry. sorry. The next best thing. <laughs> yeah, what oh, was the, the best, best yeah, thing. what was the best <laughs> takeaway? <laughs> oh, right, the most messed up thing. Um, so the next best thing, I think just the relationships that I developed um, with not only the other guys, but the, the, like the cast and the crew, Chris Harrison, the producers. Um, and to this day, I stay in touch with most of them. So I, it's the relationships. You know, life to me is about connection with humans and even animals, mm-hmm. you know, or pets. And it's just about those relationships and so that was probably the next best thing for me gotcha well i just want to say that i really enjoyed uh, the season the week that your season came out on the goat i listened to your interview with nick vile and it was fantastic i really enjoyed getting to know you a little better through that and then you talked on that about uh some of the media expectations that you came across when you were doing your press tour and how did that did that at all impact on how you did your season in terms of what you chose to do and not do in terms of other people's opinions? Oh, for sure. I, I remember, um, being called, you know, certain names, um, insinuating that I was going to be, uh, very, how do I put it? Um, promiscuous considering I had, 25 guys and so I went into it a bit more reserved um in terms of like especially with the kissing like nowadays I feel like everyone kisses Mm -hmm. everyone the first night like the the lead is kissing every single person on the first rose ceremony and I'm like oh my god like I I'm sorry but that that was just not how I did things and it kind of 
same thing I was saying before on how people expect to act on the show. And I feel like if they, they feel like if they don't kiss the person right away, then they're going to go home, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I, you know, I didn't feel that kind of pressure in, in feeling like I, I had to kiss a lot of people, but I, I held back. I mean, there was one specific moment where Jamie, um, we were on this like um, beach date and he was like, well, I, I think the producers, I think I remember talking to him afterwards, the producers were like, come on, you want to kiss her, you want to kiss her, you know that she wants to kiss you kind of thing. And so he was like, well, would, would you mind if I kiss you? And I was like, oh, it's kind of early, why don't you just give me the truth? something like that and yeah he he kissed me on the cheek i mean there is no way someone these days would do that like you never you never see someone saying oh no it's a little too early kiss me on the cheek i so i definitely feel like i was a bit more reserved just because it was a, a lot more innocent back then and people didn't feel like they really had to you know, be making out super early, um, Mm. in order to stay on the show. Um, but I did have that in the back of my mind that I did not, I wanted to do everything in my power to not come across as promiscuous. And, um, that to me, that was, that to me was really important because I, I wanted people to know that I took it seriously. And I remember, I remember that moment on the beach, um, seeing that on TV and us talking about it later in our recap and I remember thinking, like, how different it is compared to then to now. Yeah. yeah. And just it was nice to see that. I was like, wow, how times have changed. <laughs> wow, how times have changed. Um, yeah. They're talking about doing the windmill, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can kiss me on the cheek. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they should just air those moments, like, in comparison side by side. <laughs> So after you, after your season as The Bachelorette, you're, you're one of the most popular women in America. People love you. People are excited about you and Ryan. And then you're, I would guess that you're probably flooded with opportunities that were given to you by your platform on the show. So what were some of the more unexpected opportunities that you get in some, what some of your favorites? Oh, I love this question. Um, yeah, it was so fun afterwards, and, and part of me, or not part of me, all of me, wishes that Ryan could have joined in because he couldn't be part of a lot of the things that I got mm-hmm. right after the show because we had to be separate. Oh, um, that's right. It had to be a secret. So, yeah, because well, yeah, it was it was obviously a big secret, and no one could see me with, with him. So, um, but one of the things he, to this day, is like is still bummed out about a couple things that I got to do. One of them being um, going to the Super Bowl, and I hosted the red carpet for Extra, mm-hmm. and then and got to go to a bunch of parties. And then I sat in the stands, really great seats at the Super Bowl, um, with ABC stars including Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Garner. Oh, that's right, because Alias was on at the time. <laughs> A huge fan. Like, I oh my goodness! Back in the day, and so I was dying. Um, so yeah, I got to sit with them at the Super Bowl, and Ryan 
played in the NFL, and he he still has not gone to a Super Bowl. So yeah, she oh, kind of no. was kind of pissed about that one. <laughs> um, another big one was um, Oprah. I got to do <sighs> Oprah. Oh my I think that's, three that's times. Really cool. Yeah, and um, and actually. So we were, we were, I was on it, I think by myself and then we were both on it. And then I did a show with my mom where she actually set my mom up on dates and like took her out and gave her like a little shopping spree. And it was so, it was so fun and cute. But, um, Oprah was actually the reason that ABC or one of the main reasons they may have been thinking of it. Like the producers may have been thinking of it before this, but we were on Oprah and Oprah was asking me like, where would you want to go? Where we, where do you guys want to get married? Where do you want to go on your honeymoon? And she's like, you know, I would really love to plan your way to like have your wedding be on the Oprah show. And I was like, like my jaw was, I was speechless. I was like, what? Oh my <laughs> goodness. Wow. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey wants to like throw me a wedding. And so, um, after that, we got to go into her like private conference room. We sat down at a conference table with her and her EPs and, um, talked about like how we could make this happen, what we would want and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then ABC of course saw it and they're like, yeah, no, you're under contract. And if anyone's (laughs) doing the wedding, then we're doing the wedding. So, um, (laughs) but that was, that was a really, really exciting day for us because I was, and still am a huge fan of Oprah. Um, so those are just a couple of the things, but, um, yeah, we had, we had lots of fun. And I think that all the leads and everyone afterwards should take advantage of those fun things because they definitely don't last forever, but Mm -hmm. we've been pretty lucky in being able to do some, some cool stuff. That's amazing. And I feel like having Oprah ask if she can plan your wedding, that's a hard moment to try to top for sure. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) I would be like, okay, this is it. This is, this is my life. Right, I know. I was like, "What is yeah. going on? What is going on?" But yeah, so obviously, at at the top of the show, Brendan mentioned your book um, titled "Happily Ever After: The Life Changing Power of a Grateful Heart." And so that seems like a really amazing opportunity that you had too. That came from this writing a book of your own. Can you tell us about that? So true, because I never, ever, ever would have consider like without this experience I would not have become an author uh Mm. I didn't have it in my dreams I didn't have it in my repertoire I was not a writer um I didn't study it I did you know none of the things that I feel like you kind of need in order to become an author and um I remember I was my kids were tiny um and I always had a dream of writing a children's book and but just like a picture book something fun because I worked in pediatrics and I talked to my agent and was just like what what do you think should I and she connected me to a literary agent and the literary agent said children's books are really hard for um people to publish just right out the gate I think you should consider writing an adult book first Mm -hmm. And I was like, really? Like, that seems so much harder. But I didn't have any kind of children's book in mind. Um, So we just got to talking, and um, I just, I ended up telling her about 
the power of gratitude in my life. And at that point, um, Oprah was really big on it on her show or or, or a a while before that, actually it was in the past, but I was still writing in a gratitude journal and, um, and she really loved that. So we just took that and ran with it. And, um, it's been a while. I think it, we published it maybe about five years ago, maybe longer than that. But, um, but I love that I still have that. A friend of mine just had surgery and I thought maybe I should give her one of my books because I still have a bunch um, that they sent me. And so it's nice to be able to, you know, know that I have that as a legacy mm-hmm. for my kids and grandkids and for hopeful grandkids um, someday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, that was a really, really cool experience because I never, ever would have guessed that yeah. I would be able to call myself an author. Oh, that's great. So not only are you the very first bachelorette, but you're a published author. So that's amazing. (laughs) 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 Yep, that's me. So you talked about the amazing experience at the Super Bowl with Jennifer Gardner and Bradley Cooper. And you talked about meeting Oprah. Who was your biggest fangirl moment of this person knows who I am? Oh, my God. I have a good one for that. So, um... I was at a Golden Globes party. That was also a cool experience. And um, it was like an after party. I walk into this party, and Will and Grace at that time was huge, massive. Mm -hmm. And Deborah Messing, I was a huge fan of Deborah Messing. And I told the guy I was with, my manager at the time, I said, oh my God, there's Deborah Messing. I I have to go say hi. I have to get up the nerve to go say hi. I have to go say hi. And so I'm... I'm getting ready to like walk her way and she spots me and she's like, Tristan! No. <laughs> I would have just died. I would have. Like, what? How does she know my name? Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, we ended up talking. She knew exactly who I was. She was a big fan and I and ended up inviting me to come to watch one of their tapings and I ended up becoming friends with Megan Mullally and um oh gosh that was like pinch me i'm dreaming kind of wow. moment i mean and i've got a couple others like we were we were presenters at the, the country music awards and i was backstage and you know country music people i love country music and just seeing like willie freaking nelson and like <laughs> that's incredible Jeez. It, it it was oh who else um Oh gosh, long red hair. She sang with her mom. What's oh her Winona Judd? Name? Is it Winona Judd? Super famous. Yes. Yeah. Judd, thank you. <laughs> she knew who I was. Um, I yeah. It was a it was a really really surreal out of body time in my life because I was just Trista from St. Louis, you know. Um, and suddenly, people knew my name. Um, I mean, I have people to this day calling me or messaging me or whatever and saying, I, I named my daughter after you. I watched the show in the hospital and we love your name so much that I wanted, I wanted to use your name. And I'm like, I mean, that is just, you know, so humbling and, and super surreal. Um, and, you know, yet more and more reasons why um, I'm super grateful to be part of the show. Absolutely. That's yeah. That's yeah. To have your life change like that in such a short amount of time, because to just go from uh, a, a very important job of a, a pediatric physical therapist to 
to The Bachelorette and having millions of people watch you in just, what, a year or so between this between casting and the airing of your season? Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably was casted in, like, October and November of 2001. And then we shot in January and February of 2002, The Bachelor. And then our season aired in October, November of 2002. And then we got married in 2003. Mm -hmm. So, Wow. That's that's such an awesome whirlwind. Man. It was a whirlwind. That's for sure. (laughs) And then, so, as as a longtime member of Bachelor Nation, you've met your fair share of leads and contestants. So... I don't want to call anybody out of some people you don't like, but what are some? Who are your some, some of your favorite um, Bachelor <laughs> Nation people? Oh I, gosh, it's so funny because I feel like Chris Harrison gets to ask this question too, and he's like, I, I can't pick my favorite child. You know? <laughs> I, I even though I'm not even close to their parents, I feel like because I'm the old the old gal. Um, that they kind of are my, my little children. Um, but I, I mean, we have a bachelorette chain going at text chain and I love all my fellow bachelorettes, Caitlin. Um, I'm, I'm close with Caitlin and Becca, um, Molly Mesnick. And I just hosted actually a podcast for, um, Dean and Jared have a podcast called help. I suck at dating. And yeah. They have a little spinoff called What a Girl Wants. And so Molly and I just hosted that. We're super close. Um, Deanna, Desiree, uh, even like Roberto. Like he lives in Colorado, Ben Higgins, like Bob from my season. Um, I, the list like really goes on. Um, and I, I really, I never would have met probably any of these people had I not done the show I mean I could be their mother I'm 47 years old and I mean the girls who were on this past season were like early 20s mid 20s I I legit could be I'm old enough to be their mother so (laughs) (laughs) so I um I would not have been connected to them any other way Mm -hmm. I feel like it's such an amazing and eclectic group of people to to all have something in common yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it really is. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the relationships that I have because, um, I mean, all, all these girls, even girls that I, girls and guys that I didn't mention, I, I just, I just love them all for what they, they each offer and the fact that we've all been through this crazy kind of experience. Yeah, and so speaking of the crazy experience, how has the franchise changed over the years, and how has, and how has it stayed the same? Oh, well, I feel like the first, the, the most obvious change is social media. You know, I, I think that because of social media, a lot of people go on the show because they think, oh, I can all gain Instagram followers and um, and become Instagram famous. And it's it's a bummer to me to, to see that because being on the first season, I would really love to get back to that innocence and really for for the right reasons, um, the reason that people do it is to, you know, find love. And so I, I wish that all people who went on the show would do it just to find love. Um, 
thought we live in the real world and that's not the case. And like I said about, you know, the kissing part of it, I feel like to each his own. And if that's what they want, then that's what they want. I just hope that the lead, you know, finds the love they're mm. looking for and that they deserve. Um, I, another, I, I think, big change from the first season is the travel. Like, obviously not in COVID times. They're, they're stuck at the La Quinta, I believe. Um, <laughs> yeah. And... Um, and actually, that is where um, I had a group date at the La Quinta Resort, and um, and Ryan and I, when we were walking around, he, it was a group date, and he was on it, and we were walking around, and there were three weddings. We ran into, like, three different weddings, and I was like, uh, is this an omen? Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, so I have a little connection to La Quinta, but obviously, taking away COVID, um, the travel is has definitely they bumped it up a lot. I went to Seattle and Cabo and Sedona and they go all around the world now. So can you tell I'm a little jealous? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um I think some of the ways they've stayed the same are uh, like the vernacular, like what what Chris actually says, um, you know, the most dramatic whatever. Um this is your final rose for the night. You know, you, uh, would you like to uh, forego your individual rooms? You know, all these things are part of pop culture now and, Mm -hmm. and people can recite them without having to really even think about it. So, um, that's something that is, you know, common within every single show. Um, and I think the commonality is, I would hope that most of the leads, the leads come into it, you know, wanting to find love. That's why the show was created and um, what, you know, people are supposed to get out of it. So that I don't think that will ever change. Hmm. I think it's really interesting that you said that because when he ta- when the first time he said this is the final rose for the night, this is explaining to everyone what the show is. And my wife, every time we watch it, every time we watch an episode, she goes, we know, Chris, we only see one rose. You don't have to remind <laughs> us every week. I'm just like, this is not everyone's 50th episode, babe. Like we, <laughs> and she was always like, it just bothers me every time that he tells me. Yeah. I, well, it's true. He, he shouldn't have to, but I think it's just part of what happened. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it has to it has to be said because it's part of the show. It's part of the history of the show. It's part of the present of the show. It's um, like with with any show really, if you're running for a long period of time, it's like when talk show hosts or um, radio hosts sign off, you know, like if they have a certain signature, they sign off with that signature. It's it's the same kind of thing for Chris. He just he has to say he has to say that, even though everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, and it and it really it really does come from the beginnings of that show where he said it every week, and it just be kind of ingrained in his quote unquote script of what he says every week, and then it just whether it becomes common knowledge ver- vernacular or not, it's he lets everyone know that this is the final rose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just I adore how um, and you said like these things are pop they're parts of pop culture now, but when he says the most dramatic season yet or the most dramatic (laughs) whatever ever like sometimes i love those moments when it actually does happen i'm like that was dramatic (laughs) (laughs) their defense jumper so yeah i love i love it 
And speaking of most dramatic, we may be, maybe, I don't know, if it's probably going to be the most dramatic, but it's definitely going to be the most interesting season of The Bachelorette upcoming. Yes. And I don't know if you've said much of your thoughts or on the rumors that have come out and whether you know anything being such good friends with producers and the, the staff there at the, at the Bachelorette. But what are your thoughts and what's the rumors that are going on in terms of around Claire and Tasha down in La Quinta? So um, I, I have to say, I'm, I'll clarify a little bit. The producers that are on the show were not on the show way back when. I mean, Mike Fife obviously is still an exec yeah. producer, but he, he doesn't have uh, a lot to do with the show um, anymore. He um, he lets people other people run it. Um, and I have a close relationship with Mike, but, um, but not necessarily with the other producers, besides the fact that I kind of like, I love surprises, actually, and... I don't like to know the ending, so mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever reach oh, out I, I, to any I can't, I can't and, like, try to figure out what's going on. Um, so I'm not in the know in terms of production or, or any of that. Um, what I will say is I, my hope, because I am kind of maternal towards everyone who's on the show, my hope is that people find love. And if the rumors are true that Claire found the love that she was looking for more power to her that she that she decided to cut the cord early you know I I said in my stories the other day that um I did like a little Q&A and someone asked about it and um and I love that she found love if that's true and I love that Tisha gets a chance too it's like killing two words with one stone you know they both get a shot um I I'm really curious to see how it will all work. Like, will they keep the guys that were there for Claire, for Tasha, um, or do they bring in a whole new gaggle of guys, mm-hmm. or or how does that work? Um, I know that in her contract, most likely it says that you have to stay through the entire road, last road ceremony. So I wonder if there are any like legal ramifications for Claire, which would be unfortunate. Um, but I think that if if it's true that Claire found, you know, the love that she wanted to pursue and didn't feel the need to continue with the show, that um, I love that they gave Tasha a chance, you know, and they kept the show going. So, I don't know. I'm just really curious to, to hear how it all happened, what's actually going on, and um, and just hopeful for both of them. Yeah, I know that we've talked on the show and we broke down the news uh, last week that we are both major Tasha fans, so we're very excited for her and the show. And I was I was really excited to have I was excited and nervous about Claire because I don't know Claire. I didn't watch her season, but I was definitely excited to see yeah. someone uh, someone different that I didn't know be a part of this franchise. So it's, I'm excited to see how the season plays out in terms of. Uh, what happened in, in the transition and how they yeah. give us show us a transition of Claire to Tasha if the rumors are true. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm I'm like you, Trista, and I think Brennan is too. Like we always avoid the spoilers as much as we possibly can. Yeah. So you know, it it doesn't it takes away the fun when you yeah. know what's going to happen. The official podcast Twitter. Totally. The official podcast Twitter has reality Steve blocked, <laughs> just so that nothing accidentally ends up on on my right. newsfeed. I live for surprises. Seriously, so. I hate it. But you can't like avoid it. People send messages mm-hmm. and like comment on posts, and I'm like, 
dude, I didn't ask to know. So yeah. Please, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's totally how we are, too. So, totally. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Trista, I have one more question for you. And, actually, Brendan has no idea the math. Okay, like, so, I, I have one more question anymore. for you. So, do you have any dating advice? For single girls out there right now, because I'm single and right now I'm talking to the very first bachelorette who was successful in finding love. What is your dating <laughs> advice in 2020? <laughs> that is so funny because that um, the podcast that I talked about that Molly and I just hosted, it's on the Help Us Suck at Dating podcast. And um, I feel like you should listen to that, first of all. But, um, <laughs> I totally will. Like, we, we talk we talk more about like we do talk dating advice and we talk also about like our kids and dating and how that will will work and how we can kind of guide them so we went a little bit more than just um generic dating advice but i feel like the best advice i can ever give anyone is just to never settle like really truly dive into relationships put yourself in it wholeheartedly so that you know, if that relationship doesn't work out, then you know what not what what you don't want in a relationship in the future. So I feel like putting yourself in to the relationships that you have now. Get out there, experience the world, experience um, relationships with you know with different people, and find out what you what makes you happy, what makes you tick, what you are looking for in a future relationship get to know yourself, get to know those details and then never settle, like never give in to, um, I feel like I did this at one point. I was in a relationship where I felt like I kept having to convince myself that it was the right relationship Mm. because he was a good guy. He was like a really good, wholesome guy. He was, he was a great friend to his friends. He had a loving family. He was driven. He wanted to succeed you know all of these great things but the chemistry just wasn't there and I tried to continue to like convince myself of that and and settle for what I felt like was what I should have in a relationship you know um but I feel like you just like keep striving for all of your check marks check boxes to be marked off um, or at least the most important ones, like know what your deal breakers are. And um, and if there's something that maybe isn't that important, um, that you can kind of let that fall to the wayside, then great. But I feel like you need to know yourself, know what you want in a relationship, and just never settle. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. There you have it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm You're gonna, welcome. I'm going to recommend that podcast to my wife. Not because she's dating, but she, <laughs> I mean, at least I hope not. There's, but she is a huge Jason and Molly fan and just loves Molly to death. So I'm pretty sure I'll have to oh, give her that one because she yeah. she's a huge Molly fan. Yeah, it was really it was really fun. Well, that's we awesome. Yeah, together. I'm I definitely. Mean, we could talk for hours, but yeah. um, and then I'm definitely gonna yeah. check out that episode. We and then this one is a selfish Brendan question. You you spent some time dancing with the Miami Heat. Is that that's correct, right? I did. Yeah. And so being a being a member of the Miami Heat, did this. This is so silly. Did you meet Pat Riley, and what did you think of him? Oh, my gosh. I don't know that I ever met him. I mean, I know we were at um, at things together, um, different events, and I'm sure I shook his hand, 
but it's not like I ever had a conversation, like, like really got to know him. Um, but from anything I knew about him, uh, from the people that I worked with at Heat, not just the dancers, but the executives and, um, they loved him. He's, he's a great guy from what I, from what I understand. I'm a fan. So he, he always, whenever I see him, you're just like, that guy is just so cool. <laughs> like he just, he's got such a yeah, good totally. life. <laughs> the like slick back hair. Absolutely. Do you think he, does he still have his slick back hair? Oh like, yeah. The slick, the slick back hair, the fancy suits running the heat, man, just living his life. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trista, we want to thank you again for coming on. This has yes. been, this has been incredible. We, we we were we weren't nervous like an hour ago, and as we were we had gone over all our questions, we had done the tech the tech check, and we we're just like waiting for your phone call. She's like, oh gosh, now we're getting nervous as we wait for you. I'm just like, this is the biggest thing that any of either of us have ever done. Yeah, I think it was just oh, yeah. God, so silly. Yeah, we were just like the realization of who we were going to talk to, Absolutely. and we're so thankful that you came on our little podcast. You not only told us so much about yourself and about the franchise, you also gave me dating advice that I'll never forget. So thank you. <laughs> I'll send you flowers when I find yeah. love. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. No, thank you guys. You're so sweet. Um, good luck with the rest of your podcasting. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. And then so just for everyone at home, this is our interview with Trista Sutter. She is the author of Happily Ever After, The uh, the Changing Power of a Grateful Heart. Thank you again, Trista. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Or night. I should say night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate it either way. Okay, thank you so care. much. <laughs> wow. Ernie, that was maybe the biggest moment of our life. Like, okay, how did it go? How did you think? Like I, I like I had to get louder because she couldn't hear me sometimes, so I didn't know like how that would come out. But like I just ah! I don't really know I don't think I'll be able to process how well it went or how poorly it went <laughs> until I start editing. I'm so like I literally you guys, I just took my sweatshirt and I'm just like buried my face in I can't even I can't even believe like I'm I'm sweating. I can't even what just happened? I just, that was that was the incredible Trista Sutter who just spent almost an hour with us. She did. I'm like, we talked about her fangirling. I'm totally fangirled. Like, I think I had an outer body experience. We talked about emos with Trista. We talked about emos with Trista. Trista gave me dating advice. What is 2020? <laughs> I can't even handle it, you guys. So... We want to thank you all. Uh, this will not be our only podcast. Fear not. Ooh, that's right. We will also we will be meeting at some point to talk about Jason Mesnick's season. Mm-hmm. So this is part one. This is part one of the week. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at Podcasting for the Right Reasons. Follow us. Sorry, follow us on Instagram at Podcasting for the Right Reasons. Follow us on Twitter at Right Reasons Pod. Show Trista your love. Email her. Instagram her. Twitter her. Twitter her. Tweet her. <laughs> I don't know. Tweet her and tell her how much you appreciate her coming on this podcast and giving us almost an hour of her time. That was incredible. Uh, bef- wrap up really quickly. Rate me one out of ten, Jason's season. Oh, okay. Hmm. One out of ten, I would give it a 7.5. From the GOAT, 
I would give it an eight from the season itself. I like an eight and a half. Like it was some of the girls on there were like, I mean, we'll talk about we'll uh-huh. talk about it later. But Shannon, we'll talk about Shannon. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, Shannon was crazy. And like I maybe I'm saying a seven point five because. Ari's done it, you know. But Jason um, did it first. Jason did it first, but Ari's done it. Uh, Colton did a version of it. Um, who else? Uh, Pilot Pete has done it. Well, he pulled a double. He did. He did. He pulled a. I don't even know what the heck he, that he, is. He, and then I don't know if you saw this in the in the episode when he's. They said pulling a mesnick was when he went and cried over his head. No, bro, that's not pulling a mesnick. Right. Pulling a mesnick is when you propose to a girl, then tell her, never mind, I want someone else. Right. So, like, so I think maybe because he was the first and now I'm so used to people, like, pulling a Mesnick, you know, I, I, I hadn't seen the first, the, you know, I hadn't seen his season yeah. until I yeah. walked in and saw that, that finale <laughs> when you <laughs> yeah. were watching it a few months ago. Um, so I think maybe that's why I was just so used to, like, okay, he's, he's done it. But he was the first. He was, like, um, like, a friend of mine and I, we were talking about, you know, movies this morning you know, and Star Wars was the very first of its kind, you know? And so yeah. Jason Mesnick was the very first yeah. in the franchise, the very first of his kind to just be like, oh, no, whip, sorry, the, <laughs> not the, you. The very first to break up with his pick. Yeah. So immediately and so yeah. publicly and then pick the second place girl that I think he should have ended up with, with to begin with, even though we'll talk about this more, but I was a huge Melissa fan then and still am so yeah we'll, we'll talk about that more yeah when we actually break down his season i'm not gonna lie to you though i have no idea really what you're talking about because i'm still reeling from the fact that we just interviewed trista sutter i know i'm trying to <laughs> in my mind begin to process it by talking even, about something else i'm not even processing it <laughs> i'm just here all right well and marty this will not be the first time we talk this week so i'll talk to you later yeah we'll talk soon and we will you'll hear from us very soon you guys but until then enjoy